This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. So we'll jump back to the Gospel of John, and let's go to John chapter 20. We've been teaching on John for quite a while, and we're if I can get it in today, we may finish it up. I'm going to try. We followed Jesus in the area of the crucifixion, and we saw all the things that had happened to him, what he went through, what he prophesied, what happened. And we went to the, uh, the tomb area, and we talked about how Mary and the disciples came, didn't find him at the tomb and so forth as we come through that area. So we're picking up at verse number 18 of John chapter 20. It says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. And the things that we, they're talking about is in verse 17, which he said, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but I go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. So these things that uh, Mary heard from Jesus and really, what he's, what he's saying in those words of touch me not is saying, don't do anything to hold me back. Don't do anything to hold me down, to keep me from completing the, the thing that I came to do. But he says, I want you to go and tell your brethren. Go and tell the disciples that you have seen me. And so she, of course, has that commandment just as we all do. You know, go and tell your brethren you have seen the Christ. We have a commandment to go and teach and preach and tell others about Christ as well. So we see in verse 19, Then the same day at evening began the first day of the week when the, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. I want you to kind of... Uh, recognize each time that Jesus stands in the midst of them, each time he says something, each time he's recognizable. And they, of course, are in shock. All of this has taken place, even though he told them it would take place. But it's amazing how sometimes Jesus speaks, sometimes Jesus came in the midst, and they were the disciples were like, who, who is that? Is that you? You know, so it's, it's amazing we'll see that uh, being recognized uh, as, as we go along. Now, the same day at evening being the first day of the week. First day of the week, the Sabbath commemorates the creation of the world, but Sunday is the first day of the week, and that commemorates the redemption of the world. Now, they are fearful. They are meeting in secret. They really don't know what, what the next thing is going to take place. So for Christ to appear all of a sudden there, probably just coming through the wall, not even needing the doors, but He able to come through. And what does He say? Peace. He says those words, peace, which we see in the Bible many times. You know, if ever we live in a day when people need the peace of God in their life, a lot of times the troubleness that they're going through, the things they're facing, the turmoil in their life, they need peace. And only we can offer them Jesus to give them that peace. The world will try to offer some kind of false peace, some kind of temporary peace, but it will not last. 
But you can imagine these troubled disciples when Christ brings this message of peace to them. He knows exactly what they need to hear. Verse 20, And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad, notice, when they saw the Lord. So it's like Jesus appears. They are in shock. They're looking at him all of a sudden. And he says peace to them. And then he stretches out his hands. He shows them his side. And notice the change in their appearance. They go from shock to glad. It's Jesus. It's the Lord. Verse 21, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Isn't it amazing the important words that He knew that He needed to say to them? Not only peace, but listen, I'm going to be sending you with the gospel as well, with the commission. Verse 22, And when He had said this, He breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. So as He breathed on them, this gift of the Holy Spirit, it's really in connection with the action of forgiving or retaining sins. And it was not the work of the disciples. The disciples were not going to go out and see a person and say, I'll forgive you of your sin. They couldn't forgive anybody of their sins. But the message was, I know someone who can forgive your sins. And so that brings hope to a person. It's better than giving them false hope and saying, hey, now that I met you, I'm going to you know, forgive you. Your sins are forgiven because I'm a disciple of Christ. No. Now that I met you, I want, to, I want to tell you about Jesus and what He has did on the cross. And you can have forgiveness of your sins. So this is the work that is going, the Holy Spirit's going to do through the disciples as they do this great commission that they're supposed to do. In other words, Christ has really given the disciples authority to state Hey, there's possible forgiveness for your sins, but it's through Christ. So they need to hear that message. Verse 24 and 25. Now somebody was missing in that group when Jesus showed up. Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. So Thomas is stepping back saying, wait a minute, guys. What are, what are you all telling me now? We, we all know Christ died on the cross. And they put him in a tomb. And now you're telling me that you've seen him. And I'm not buying it from you guys unless I see it. I want to see those nail prints. I want to thrust my hand in there. I want to do all of these things. Now, no explanation is given why Thomas wasn't there with the other disciples. He could have been off mourning the loss of Christ. He could have just been just overwhelmed with it and just away at, 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 at 
thinking the death of, of the master. I just got to get over this. I got to have some kind of uh, help in this because I believe the other disciples are trying to comfort him. And they're trying to bring some news to him that would help him in this situation. Just like when we lose a loved one. It's always great when we have brothers and sisters in Christ try to help us and contact us and, and say, I'm praying for you and, and I'm trying to lift you up and I want to do something, anything I can do to help you while you're going through this. All of these things are a comfort. And, and I think Thomas needed comforting because of what, he, what has happened. You know, death affects people different ways. I don't want to take time to go off on this long thing, but always remember this. We all deal differently when it comes to death many times. I've had, heard people say, well, you just need to get over that and move on. Well, give them the time to do that. Continue to pray for them. They may not be able to get over that as quick as this one over here. It, it, it's different how bereavement affects each one of us. So anyway, they, they uh, tell Thomas, we, we're going to try to help you in this situation. So verse 26, after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them this time. And then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. One thing I did want to mention as I was studying this too, and I, I failed to do that back in verse number 20, is that you got to remember when he had said so, it said he showed unto them his hands and his side. What did that mean to them? That means to us and to them, this is not a spirit that's standing here. But this here is actually, we can see his body after the resurrection. And that's very important for, for folks to know. The nail prints proved it. His side proved it. Everything proved that that, that was an actual resurrected body they were seeing, not a spirit there. But I, I did want to mention that. Because there are people who, who want to say that Jesus, of course, didn't, wasn't resurrected. Have all kind of things that they come up with on that. But that's a whole other lesson. <laughs> so anyway, we find that after eight days, one week later, Christ appears to these disciples and Thomas is in there and he gives the same message, peace. So very important message we should get from that and how important it is. Verse 27, Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. So when we compare verse 25 to verse 27, Christ answered all of Thomas's request. And he commands him to do what he said was necessary. You know, Thomas said, I must see it. I must touch it. I'm, I'm not going to believe it until I do those things. And of course, the scriptures speak about that. How that, verse 27, Thomas reached thither his finger and behold my hands, and reach thither thy hand, thrust it in my side. Now what did Thomas say? Thomas st stood back and answered, My Lord and my God. No question in Thomas's mind now. I know who this is now. 
my Lord and my God. Now, the, the important lesson is, is the next verse. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But look at what that word says. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. You see, there's an extra blessing for folks that walk by faith and not by sight. You see, I can either say, Lord, if you're going to answer this need I have in my life, then I'll believe you, you're God. If you're going to change my situation, then I'll believe it after I see it. Or either I'm going to say, you know what, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm going to put this need in your hands and I'm going to leave it there. And I know that you're able to meet that need. That's a difference there, isn't it? And that faith in him because of who he is. And then thinking, well, wait and see if he does this for someone else. And then I'll pray and ask the Lord maybe to do it for me. So it, we, we are definitely should be on that line of being having faith in Christ and believing in his word. Now, these next last two verses in this chapter are very important. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Many other ones. But these are written, why? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you, have, you might have life through his name. So we find in these verses here many other signs. I think the greatest sign found is, is the sign of resurrection. But I want to share with you some things I read and studied about uh, the book of John. And as we're getting close to finishing it up and these two verses, what he is saying in he, these two verses, I want you to remember some of these things. What is the purpose to begin with that John is writing this book? Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. Some key words in that. The key words in those are signs, believe, and life. The signs, of course, we know what they are. Those are the miracles that John chose that to describe the deity of Christ. And there were eight signs. You remember them as we went through the Gospel of John. Turning the water into wine, healing the nobleman's son, healing the impotent man, feeding the 5,000, walking on the water, healing the blind man, raising Lazarus, and we have not got to the very last one because it's in chapter 21, but it's providing the catch of fish. So those signs, why, why did those miracles take place? Why did Jesus do them? So that he could walk around and say, look who I am. I can do miracles. No, that was a sign for people to see happening and say, truly, this is the Son of God. Only Jesus could do things like this. Now, the second key word in John's statement, we believe, is that believe. What's mean? The word believe means to trust or commit 
And that's exactly what John wants us to do as we read through his scriptures that he has jotted down here. We might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We have to believe who he is. The third key word, as I said earlier, is the person or the work of Christ and that believing you might have life. He did signs that people would believe that who he was and that believing on Christ, they would have eternal life. So the, it was a mission that Christ was on. There was, there was a will of God that he came to do and finish. And I think throughout the Gospel of John, we see the heartbeat of that gospel, and that's pointing people to Christ. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So John will continue in, in this book to show who Christ claimed to be. You remember they had a big, we discussed the big problems that they had was that Jesus claimed to be God. And they thought, yeah, that's not true, that can't be. But you remember he said in chapter 8 and verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. So that brought us to the I am statements that we found in John, very important ones. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. Remember, I had opportunity to teach on all the I am statements on Wednesday nights for a while back. And what a great study it was as we went through the Word of God. So you got to remember, this book of John is just a wonderful, wonderful, all of it is wonderful, but it's a great book because we see the miracles, we hear the sermons, we see the gospel, we see the things that Jesus proclaimed about himself and who he is. So all of that's very important to remember as we finish with those last two verses. These are written because, and it says, you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, believing you can have life through His name. All right, let's move into chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed Himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. And on this wise showed he himself. Now, you remember what I said earlier about Jesus being recognizable? Jesus coming into the midst of people. Did they know who he was every time? Did they recognize who he was? No. Here he is showing himself. He is, he's revealing himself. He's making himself known. And he is now reveals his glory to the disciples here at the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. Verse 2. They were together. There were together Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. So Peter, Nathaniel, James, John, these are the two other unnamed here in this particular verse. And they're all right there together. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night caught nothing. 
But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples, you see this, knew not that it was Jesus. Was what struck me in that verse is we find Jesus is showing himself in verse 1 to these people, especially there to Peter. And I would have thought Peter would have said, wow, Jesus is here. Let's just sit down and have some fellowship together. But Peter says, you know what? Jesus, this guy's here, but I'm going fishing. And the other disciples chime right on in. Well, we're going too. I mean, it, it kind of sounded to me like they, they're leaving Jesus. So it's almost like they didn't recognize him here. I can't imagine them doing that. But they did. And it shows us that in the morning, Jesus standing on the shore, and they, they did not know it was Jesus. Now, when Peter is saying, I go a fishing, now we knew these guys were fishermen before Jesus called them. And when Peter says this, he's actually in the Greek pre pretense, he's saying, I am going to fish. It's not really an action saying, I'm going back to my old occupation. So don't think that Peter's saying, hey, I'm done with Jesus. I'm just going back to my old occupation. No, it was a, I believe, intended to just say, I'm going to go fishing right now. Not going back to that. But as they arrive at the shore after a frustrating night, they see Jesus and once again, they do not recognize him. But then Jesus spoke, and Jesus said in verse 5, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. So they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fish here. So, he calls them children, lads, or however you want to express that, uh, that word there. And the question and the answer was really kind of affecting their ego as fishermen. You know, <laughs> I like to fish a lot too, and, and I hate when I hadn't caught anything. I've been fishing all day, and somebody comes on, hey, you caught anything? Had any luck? Uh, no. They see all my fishing rods, all my tackle, and I'm out. I hadn't had done anything. They're thinking, hmm, Brother Brian, we just failed that day or something. But fishing is fishing, isn't it? <laughs> you don't never know when they're going to be biting and what they're going to be doing. But here, this question to them, have you any meat? He might as well, he might as well say, do you have any fish? You caught any fish? Of course, Jesus knew the answer to that already. But... Their response, of course, no, we don't have anything. And so here's this stranger. Remember? They haven't recognized him yet. Well, a stranger says, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you cast your net on the other side of the boat? I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, if I'm fishing at a good spot and someone stranger comes along and says, hey, you're not going to catch anything right there. Why don't you try it down there a little bit? Uh, well, I know this place pretty good right here. I feel like I'm going to catch something eventually. You know, I don't know if I'm going to take a stranger up on his suggestion or not. 
And so they hear Jesus ask, asking them to, to try on the other side, do something different. They've been fishing all night. I'm sure they have tried both sides. <laughs> but what happens here? Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, and of course, I, they did draw it, and they drew a multitude of fishes. The disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter. Now, who is that? That's John. It is the Lord. Well, here we go. We recognize who this is now. It's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but it were, as it were, 200 cubits dragging the net of fish. You see what I was saying earlier about Jesus, uh, Peter saying, hey, I'm going fishing. And now when he finds out from John, it is the Lord, what does he do? He drops everything, girds himself, and jumps in the water. He's not waiting for the boat to get over there. He's so excited. So what a difference it was in him after finding out who it was standing on the shore. Before, he didn't matter. I'm going fishing. But now, hey, it's the Lord. So we find here that his enthusiasm really takes over now. And he was not really going to hold back anything. You know, Peter was a very impulsive guy anyway. So the rest of the disciples, they're going to join along with him. Verse 9. As soon then as they were coming to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to the land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. So while they were out there doing what they were doing, you remember what he asked them earlier, you had any meat? Christ must have gone to the grocery store and brought back some fish. And had them already on the coals. He said, hey, bring your, some of yours on up here. Let's get it all in here together and have a nice meal going on. The number of fish uh, that they had, 153 fish, and yet did not break the net. Certainly Christ performed that last sign that we see in the Gospel of John, and that's this multitude of fishes. Verse 12, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. Every time I read that, I think of the old hymn we sang, Come and dine, the Master calleth, come and dine. You have feast at Jesus' table all the time. That, that song, I believe, came out of that verse from the songwriter. <clears throat> and none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. <laughs> Boy, look at the turnaround now. It's not, it's a stranger. Who is that? I'm not sure. That's... Jesus, but now they're at this point where they don't even ask that question. They know who it is among them now. So come and dine. Jesus invites them 
for breakfast. I can imagine the disciples are probably speechless being in the presence of the Lord. They're not even going to ask these questions. They're not going to, you know, how did you know where to cast that net? How, why did you show up? Why, you know, how did all this take place? They're, they're not asking these things. But they're, they're just amazed. They're, they're, they're just thankful that they're in the presence of Jesus now. So, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So it's number three, and I think this is the time that took three times for them to recognize exactly who he was. Now they did recognize him as the disciples in the upper room when he showed up there, but yet here they come to a full agreement, this is Christ, we know who he is, and he's showing himself. And that's very important. You know, these people who don't believe in the resurrection of Christ got to remember they need to search scriptures and find out how many people actually saw him after the resurrection. It wasn't a spirit walking around. It was a, it was a resurrected body. They saw him. So then comes the test for Peter here. Verse number 15, When they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto them, him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto them, Him, feed my lambs. The pastor has preached a very good message on this particular types of love that we're seeing in these wording here. And it is the Greek that really brings out what Jesus is asking Peter and how Peter is answering him. So after the breakfast, all the attention is on Peter. The Lord is addressing him. Why do you think he asked him three times? Well, we remember a little while back, the Lord Peter denied the Lord three times. What does he mean when he says unto him, Lovest thou me more than these? Who is these? What is these? You know, there was some speculation that maybe he was talking about all the fish, this fishing occupation. Do you love me more than that? Do you love me more than, than this thing over here or that over there? But the disciples were around, and I kind of think Christ was saying, All of these disciples here, I know you love them. Do you love them more than me? But anyway, as he gets to this point of lovest thou me, two Greek words, of course, love, played upon each other, agape love, which of course means love as an emotion of deep appreciation based upon careful consideration. It means to recognize I love a certain person because of who they are. Maybe you esteem that person highly as a friend. I don't know, but that type of love we see there. Then we have the philo type of love, which is used in distinction here, connected with pure, intense love. More than just an emotion. It's a personal warmth. It's an intimate relationship between family members type of love. So it's a love that's more spontaneous than then we see some of these, this other type of love here. So Jesus is asking Peter, Lovest thou me more than these? Maybe he is referring to these disciples. 
Peter, remember, he boasted upon his loyalty and the loyalty he had to the Lord. But the Lord really is asking for the sincerity of Peter's love. And Peter answers using a different word, the philo word. I have a deep affection for you, Christ. So what does Jesus say? He says, feed my lambs. Then we find out in verse 16, Jesus saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him the same response, Feed my sheep, only he changes from lambs to sheep here. So Peter, of course, responds, I love thee. I feel of thee. But verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things that thou lovest, that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. So the third time, the third question, the most convicting question, the first two times Jesus was asking Peter if he agaped him. The third time he changes to Philo. And Jesus and Peter is grieved because of it. Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest I love thee. He's appealing to Jesus as the master. You already know that. Peter, of course, Christ commissioning Peter to tend his sheep. First time, feed his lamb. Second time, third time, feed his sheep sheep. So he's using two different Greek words there. So I think he definitely got the message across to Peter what kind of love he should have. Verse 18, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest, whether thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, interesting verse, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee, whether thou wouldest not. Christ prophesying what's going to happen to Peter. When you get old, when you've had a long life of service for the Lord, there's going to come a point where you will be stretched out your hands in crucifixion. Peter will be crucified, not like the Lord, he said, but upside down. And Danny already taught on the disciples and what happened to them. But what confidence the Lord gives to the one who denied him. Peter would be faithful to the end, would bring glory to God through his death. And so therefore he says, follow me. The Lord calls Peter to a life of total commitment to him. Our life should be the same way. We need to be totally committed to the Lord. He doesn't like part-time help. He likes full-time Christians that are serving. Verse 20, Then Peter turning about and seeth... I, I never noticed really study these few verses here, but I like, I like the Lord's response. Peter turned about and seeth the disciple. Well, let's finish verse 19. Then this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had 
spoken thus, he saith unto him, Follow me. So that explains that verse previous in verse 18, as I just commented on it. Then Peter, turning about and seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, who's that? John. Following, he also leaned on the breast of the supper, and he said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? <laughs> and Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren and the disciples, that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So let me show you the picture. Maybe the Lord put his arm around Peter and said, come on, Peter, let's walk on down here a minute. Don't forget these words. Follow me. Do what I told you to do. And Peter looks over his shoulder and sees John walking behind him. And he says, well, Lord, what about John? You've already prophesied what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be crucified. What about him back there? How is he going to die? And Jesus says, that's none of your concern, Peter. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not what's important here. I just want you to follow me. And so then the, the word got, well, how is he? Well, then he's not going to die, huh? He, he's he's going to live. And Jesus said, I didn't say that he wasn't going to die. But I said, that doesn't concern you. You just need to focus on what you're doing. Isn't that, isn't that a great message to us? We can get so concerned about, oh, what's that Christian doing? And, and that, what about how they serve? And they're not doing what, what they're supposed to be doing. We, we don't need to worry about that. We just need to do what we need to do for the Lord, what He's called us to do. So it, it was just a great little passage there. So, verse 24, this is the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. So the disciple, of course, referring to John, and this whole book here of John is a testimony of the deity of Jesus Christ. We know, that word we refers to the elders in the church at Ephesus. And they're not identified by name. Verse 25, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. John concludes by reminding us that there are many other things that Jesus did that are not included. This is only a small portion, but I tell you what, it's enough for us to grasp a hold to and have all that we need to realize who Jesus was, what He did, and what He can do in people's lives today. Amen? Praise the Lord. Good book, wasn't it? Great study. I loved studying that book of John. And it's always a good book to go to when you're telling folks about Jesus, witnessing to them. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.